good morning. Welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Anchor FM and Spotify and several other platforms uh, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This is Sunshine USA, a program de- devoted to uh, the study of the Word of God. And I'm Warren Landis, the host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA, and it's great to have you tuned in to the broadcast today. Um, we've been doing here lately uh, a series of messages from uh, the Gospel of Mark and last time we were in the first part of Mark chapter 5 and we talked about Jesus healing the crazy man this was a man who was crazy he uh, was in a graveyard Uh, many people in the town were afraid of this guy and they tried to chain him to something anything they could find and he kept breaking loose from the chains, and he kept breaking the chains also, and he kept cutting himself. He was obviously not in his right frame of mind. Uh, we would say today this man was clearly suffering from mental illness. And uh, to make a long story short, Jesus healed that man. And after he healed that man, that man wanted to go on the road with Jesus. But Jesus said, no, what I want you to do, I want you to go home <clears throat> and I want you to tell all your friends about what I've done for you. Tell them how much compassion God had for you. Amen. And apparently the guy does just that. You see, Jesus was smart. Where Jesus was going, the people really didn't know anything about this guy. But by traveling in the direction toward home, this crazy man, or I should say former crazy man now, Uh, He would be coming across people that had known him all his life. They knew the crazy man that he was, and now they could see he's perfectly normal. And then he tells them why he's perfectly normal. Jesus healed him. And so his testimony would be far more potent, you might say, in the home territory than it would have been where Jesus was going. And You know, you and I have the same command from the Lord today. The Lord wants us to share with others what God has done for us. And you know, witnessing, in its simplest form, that's what it is. It is us being willing to stop what we're doing, tell other people about Jesus, and let them know that the same God that loved you and did so much for you is also in love with them and wants to do for you them what he's done for you already. You see, a personal testimony is hard to overcome. And the Lord wants us to share with other people what the Lord has done for them. Uh, one of the things I like about doing for this, on, uh, one of the reasons I like doing this podcast is because it gives me a worldwide opportunity to share with other people what the Lord has done for me. And uh, it gives other people a chance to respond to that. And I like that. Amen. And, uh, of course, I don't limit my witnessing to uh, the podcast. Uh, I try to witness everywhere I go. Now, of course, I don't go a lot of places now uh, due to the many health ailments that I have and the COVID-19 running rampant throughout our land. Um, I have to tell you, I don't get out much. I really don't. I don't get out much. Uh, but I do occasionally have interactions with other people. For example, um, 
I have groceries actually delivered to my apartment from Walmart. And whatever employee comes by to deliver my groceries to my home, guess what? I'm going to witness to them. I'm going to share with others, like my grocery delivery person, what the Lord has done for me, and let them know that God loves you too, and God's willing to do for you what he done for me. And sometimes I find out that they're already a Christian, and sometimes we take a few moments just to share with each other what the Lord has done for us, and it's such a blessing. This, this one guy, he comes to my apartment, and he brings my groceries to me, and we get talking, and he's already a Christian, and I find out he's a hard-working guy too. Um, he not only... Um, works for DoorDash, which is the company that makes grocery deliveries for Walmart, but uh, he also works for Uber and Lyft and a few other companies, and so this guy stays pretty busy uh, making money to support his family, and for me to be able to witness to him, boy, I tell you, that's just exciting. I mean, I don't know where this guy lives. I still don't know where the guy lives. I don't even know his phone number. But I know that one day he came by to deliver groceries to me, and it gave me at least that one opportunity to share with him what the Lord God had done for me. And, and to me, that was just so exciting, <laughs> you know. And it didn't take long. I mean, we're only talking about a, a five-minute conversation here. It was not a lengthy discourse. I mean, and, and that's the other point. You don't have to be a biblical scholar to witness for the Lord. You don't have to know everything there is to know about the Bible to be able to witness for the Lord. Now, obviously, if you know at least something about the Bible, it helps, no doubt about that. But you don't have to be a Bible scholar in order to witness for the Lord. You could simply take it upon yourself to share with others what Christ has done for you. And if nothing else, guess what? You can invite them to go to the church where you go. Now, I've mentioned several times on this program, I go to the San Susie Church here in Greenville, South Carolina. And it's located just uh, a couple of lots down from where I live. In fact, I can see most of the church facility from my own bedroom apartment window. And um, uh, Lenny Miller is our pastor, and he has a wife, Lori. And by the way, we need to pray for them. They were out of town last weekend, and they um, were exposed to the COVID-19 virus. And I understand uh, he, this past Friday, tested positive for COVID-19. Um, I don't think he has much in the way of symptoms, but um, he did test positive. And so he's going to be out for at least the next week, and then I think next Friday he'll have another test. Uh, and hopefully that will come out negative. But we need to pray for him and lift him up in our prayers. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of COVID-19 still going around, and that's in spite of the fact that hope is just around the corner. We have this very promising vaccine. In fact, we have two or three vaccines that appear to be very promising that are likely to get FDA approval before the end of the month, and that's exciting knowing that in the next few months, pretty much everybody in America who wants a vaccine can get one. And this vaccine, I think they start tomorrow uh, distributing this vaccine and, and administering it over in England. So uh, that's very exciting. 
if we could just hang in there a few more months and pray for each other and wear the mask and do whatever else we're told to do, uh, we could come out on the other side much stronger than we were before. Amen? <laughs> Amen. But let's pray for Lenny Miller, pastor of the San Susie Church here in Greenville. He's a great man of God. I tell you, he works from morning to night. He, he's one of the hardest working pastors here in the Greenville area. And we certainly need to hold him up in our prayers, as well as the whole church. It's a great church, which is why I'm a member of it. And if you're looking for a church home, I invite you to consider making San Susie Church here in Greenville, South Carolina, your church home. That is, if you live here in the Greenville area. Now, if you live in another country or another part of this country, then probably you need to go to a church closer to where you live. But San Susie is a great church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, today we're going to continue in Mark chapter 5. One of the interesting things about Mark I want to point out, Mark was not so interested in what Jesus said. He was interested in what Jesus did. And that's why we find Mark zero inning on these uh, miracles that Jesus performed. So let's start today with Mark chapter 5 verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed over by the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered by him, and he was by the sea. And so we find that great multitudes are now following Jesus everywhere he goes. You know, whenever you're doing something for God, word gets out. Rumors start flying. <laughs> And all of a sudden, guess what? People want to see for themselves what is happening. Uh, that's one of the things I like about the old-fashioned tent revival days. Uh, people would be driving by, and they would see a tent revival going on, and they would literally stop, pull over to the side of the road, and, and listen to what the preacher was saying. And sometimes they would pull into the parking lot, and they would get out of their car, take a seat inside the tent. They would hear the message and get saved because they were attracted to what was going on. That's why I would love to see that happen more and more in our own day. And they've seen a little bit more of it these days. Uh, a lot of churches in this past year, because of COVID-19, have been holding these uh, parking lot drive-in services. And I think that's a good idea because it allows the folks to see what's going on. They get to see us worship. They get to see the word of God being preached and proclaimed. And boy, I tell you, it just gets exciting. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's read on. It says, uh, verse 22, And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. So here we have a specific uh, synagogue leader named Jairus. And I think... Mark felt like it was important for him to, to give the name of this synagogue leader so that people would know this was an actual story and that this was a true story and they could even contact Jarius for themselves if they didn't believe the story. But Jarius apparently was a very well-known synagogue leader and he comes to Jesus and he kneels at the feet of Jesus to worship him. And 
He begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. Now, notice the faith that that requires. <laughs> He's saying, Lord, if you just come by my house and lay your hands on my daughter, Lord, I know she's going to live. I know she's going to recover. I know she's not going to die. I mean, that's the kind of faith he had. He had a very powerful faith in God. It was an almost unwavering faith. But then I want you to know what happens next. We go to the next verse. And it says, So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, and said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And it says, Immediately the fountain of blood was dried up, and she, and she left in her body, and she was healed of the affliction. Now notice the faith that this woman had. She said, you know, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, she didn't say I might be healed. There's a possibility I'm going to be healed. She said, I shall be healed. That's the kind of faith she had. Now I've said before on this program before many times, I might be a Southern Baptist minister, but I believe in divine healing. I believe Jesus heals today just like he did 2,000 years ago. There's no doubt in my mind about that. One of the reasons I know that is because there's been so many times in my own life where I have been healed and God just miraculously stepped in, healed my body, and I say, praise the Lord. Amen. I tell you, I just get excited when I think about the number of times God healed me and I know how excited this woman must have been when the Lord Jesus healed her. But notice what happens next. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, <laughs> notice what's happening here. The disciples are maybe getting a little bit frustrated with Jesus. They say, Jesus, how can you ask the question, who touched me? And they said, Jesus, I'll tell you what happened. You know, you've got so many people following behind you. Obviously, one or more people, they stepped on your uh, coat, which is trailing and, and basically dragging the ground. And that's probably what happened. And besides, 
we're on the way to this man's house so we can heal her daughter and time is of the essence, Jesus. Why get bogged down in the conversation like this? But then the woman comes forward. She tells Jesus what had happened. And notice what Jesus says. He says, daughter. Now that recognizes the fact that she was a child of God. She was a believer. And he said, your faith has made you well. And obviously she is so pleased with that. Now, I think a lot of us can relate to the fact that this woman had basically gone out and pretty much spent all she had on medicine. And it didn't get her anywhere. She was no better and, in fact, was worse. I mean, many times you and I have probably gone to the doctor. The doctor prescribed something and it didn't work out. And so we have to go back. In fact, that happened to me not too long ago. And I said, doctor, what is this? And he says, well, he says, this is why we call it the practice of medicine. We try one thing. If that doesn't work, then we try something else. Amen. <laughs> and apparently that had happened a number of times to this woman right here. And notice, by the way, and I shouldn't say this because it sounds too political, but notice they didn't have socialized medicine in Jesus' day either. This woman had spent all the money she had on doctors and she still wasn't well. So apparently people were expected to pay for their own health care back then, just as for hundreds of years here in this country, people have been doing the same thing. Amen. Now, I'm all in favor, by the way, of providing health care for the elderly and and for the poor. But if someone is able body and they can pay, they should pay. Amen. No more politics, though. I'm going to move on. Okay, now. <laughs> Here we go. And it said, as soon as Jesus, uh, well, let's see. Um, verse 35, we're going to back up a verse here. It says, while he was still speaking, some came to the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of Jesus. And then he came to the house, the ruler of the synagogue, and saw a tumult and those who had wept and wailed loudly. And he came in and said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead. She is but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. And then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Taiatha Sumi, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, and for she was twelve years of age, and they were all overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said that something should be given to her to eat. Amen. So you see, this woman had been healed after all. Jesus said she's not dead, she just sleeps. And she comes alive. 
and she starts walking around. They point out she's a 12-year-old, which means she must have been running all over the place. And Jesus says to the parents, I'm going to give you two pieces of instruction here. Number one, I want you to be sure not to tell anybody. And then I want you to go get this girl something to eat. Amen. <laughs> I mean, evidently she'd been sick for several days and hadn't eaten anything. So he says, go get this girl something to eat. Amen. Well, why did he tell them, I don't want you to go and tell anybody? Now, bearing in mind, when Jesus healed that crazy man in the graveyard, what did he tell the crazy man? He said, you go and you tell everybody you see. But here he's telling them, don't tell anybody. Well, a couple of things here to take into consideration. Jesus knew that this would set off a confrontation between him and the Pharisees, and the Pharisees may try to arrest him and put him to death before Jesus was ready to do that. It's also possible that Jesus is using here some reverse psychology. He knows good and well that if they are told not to do something, they will probably do it. And so he tells them not to do this in the hopes that they will do just that. It's called reverse psychology. That's where you tell someone to do something just opposite what you really intend for them to do. Amen? <laughs> Amen. But this girl is healed. Now notice Jesus was very wise here. He takes with him Peter, James, and John. And these three guys would serve as witnesses of what happened. He knew that they could say, okay, this is what happened and this is not, this is what did not happen. So they could set the story straight if rumors started flying. And of course, um, he, he wanted to keep the whole crowd out to keep this from becoming some kind of spectacle. So Jesus is very organized here. Now, by the way, we could learn something good about soul winning visitation from Jesus right here. Don't ever go into somebody's room or house alone. Always carry with you someone else. For example, let's say you're the pastor of the church and uh, you're going to somebody's house. Maybe you're going to talk to them about the church and maybe about joining the church and you want to make sure they're saved. Uh, don't go into that house alone, especially if no one's home but the opposite sex. And the reason for that is it opens the door possibility that any number of rumors, hopefully all of them would be false, but they would get started and you would have a hard time defending yourself. If you carry witnesses with you, then obviously this, this will go a long ways towards keeping down anything that might get started. Now, uh, you pastors out there that are married, for example, uh, the best person you can take with you is your own wife so that she can verify that nothing improper happened. Amen? I mean, bearing in mind, we, we have a pretty clever devil out there. Uh, the devil would love nothing better than to tear down instantly a marriage, I mean, uh, well, a marriage or a ministry, for that matter, that it took you a lifetime to establish. I have seen ministers who were falsely accused of stuff like that, and it ended up destroying their marriage, it destroyed their ministry, and it even destroyed them financially. 
all over something that was never true, it never happened, and yet somebody chose to believe a lie, and great disaster happened. So, as a preacher, if you go into somebody's home, don't go by yourself. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing here. Notice when Jesus sends out the witnesses in, in other parts of the New Testament, he always sends them out two by two. He never sends them out alone, and there's good reason for that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I tell you, we're seeing for ourselves this study in the Gospel of Mark. It is just so exciting. If you have any Bible study questions, you can shoot me an email, warrenlandis at yahoo.com, or you can email me, warrenlandis at gmail.com. And either way, I would love to read your Bible study questions and respond to them. Also, uh, maybe have questions about life, you know. Uh, maybe you've got some important decisions to make and you want some pastoral guidance. Uh, just shoot me an email, warrenlandis at yahoo.com and warrenlandis at gmail.com, and I would love to help you out. Some of you might want my snail mail address, and the snail mail address is warrenlandis3001 Old Buncombe Road, Apartment number 8, Greenville, South Carolina, 29609. That's Warren Landis, 3001 Old Buncombe Road, Apartment number 8, Greenville, South Carolina, 29609. And if you feel inspired to do so from the Lord, you might want to uh, drop a few dollars in there to help us uh, because as we face the new year, uh, 2021, we would love to have the opportunity of expanding the size of this ministry. But in order to do that, it takes financial support. And we hope, we pray that you will consider becoming the source of some of that uh, financial support. And of course, you know, we're coming up on the Christmas season. I hope that you will remember to keep Christ in Christmas. And of course, this should be an ideal time of the year when people are talking about Jesus anyway. Why not use this time of the year to step out in faith and tell someone about Jesus. I, I tell you, this is Christian radio station in town, uh, WTBI Radio here in Greenville, South Carolina, and I love listening to them, and they have this guy that works on the overnight shift, and he's on the air till about 7 each morning, and usually one of the last things he'll say each morning before he goes off the air, he'll say, why don't you step out in faith today, and tell someone about Jesus. Amen. And I tell you, that's great advice, and I try to follow that advice every day. I, You know, I don't like a single day to go by um, that I don't tell somebody somewhere about Jesus. It's that important, <laughs> you know, because I tell you, folks, uh, we don't live long upon this earth. Uh, even if you live a hundred years, you know, that's just a drop in the bucket compared to all eternity. But then comes the all-important question, where will you spend eternity? And, you know, there's only two places you could spend eternity. One place is called heaven, and the other place is called hell. But, you see, you can't go to heaven unless you get there God's way. And, of course, that's part of what this program is all about, pointing people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So I encourage you, I implore with you, to take it upon yourself to share with other people today what the Lord Jesus Christ uh, means to you, okay? Now we're going to take a look at a few questions that have been sent in. 
um, by email. Uh, someone here wants to know what church I go to. And uh, I think I already answered that question in the message today. And that is, I'm a member of the San Susi Church here in Greenville, South Carolina. Lenny Miller is my pastor. And I haven't been there in the past few weeks, mostly because of the COVID-19 situation going around. Uh, I've got some surgery coming up, and I've got to isolate myself and protect myself for that reason. So I haven't been to church in recent weeks, but I plan to be back again real soon. And when I go, it's to the San Susie Church here in Greenville, South Carolina. And if you're looking for a church home and you live within reasonable driving distance of Greenville, South Carolina, I suggest that you seriously consider becoming a member of the San Susie Church if you know Christ as your Savior, okay? <laughs> okay, hopefully that answers that question. Um, somebody is asking here, what version of the Bible do I recommend? Well, uh, my favorite version of all is the King James Version, and if I were to preach in your church, let's say you invited me to preach in your church and I don't know anything about your people or anything about your church, I would probably make it my practice only to preach from the King James Version. Now, that doesn't mean that I think all other versions are bad. Uh, we have, as you know today, several versions of the Bible, and I like several of them. Some of them are not so good, and I would tend not to recommend it. And I hope sometime in the not-too-distant future I'll do... Um, a special broadcast dealing with the different versions of the Bible, which ones are best, which ones are not so recommended, and I can tell you why, and we'll do that maybe on a future program. But my favorite version of all is the King James Version. That's the version of the Bible that I grew up with. Now, some people say, and I believe erroneously, they say, well, the King James Version of the Bible, it was good enough for Jesus and the disciples and by golly, it's good enough for me. Well, the only problem with that, Jesus didn't know anything about the King James Version. It didn't exist in that day. Uh, it came along later, as you can imagine. Um, but I still like the King James Version. I, I believe it's as reliable and accurate as any other version of the Bible. Even though there are some newer versions of the Bible out there, which for some people will make the Bible easier to understand. And um, if there's a version of the Bible that's uh, fairly accurate and it makes it easier for you to understand it, then I say go for it. Amen. Uh, so hopefully that takes care of uh, that particular question. Uh, someone else wanting to know, where did I get my education? Well, I went to William Carey College in Hattiesburg, Mississippi in the 1970s and uh, uh, it's now known as William Carey University, so I left that place a smarter place than it was when I first got there. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I also got some of my education over at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, that's in New Orleans, Louisiana, as the name would imply. Great school. And I took some great Bible courses there. And I took some foundational courses over at Greenville Tech, a community college here in Greenville, South Carolina. So hopefully that answers to some degree the uh, uh, question of my education. I am both uh, licensed and ordained as a Southern Baptist minister. Uh, I was licensed to the ministry in May of 1974 
And in August of 1979, I was ordained into the gospel ministry. And in both cases, it took place at the Washington Avenue Baptist Church here in Greenville, South Carolina. Back in those days, Stan Greer was the senior pastor and great man of God he was. And obviously, he serves as one of my mentors in the ministry to this very day. Uh, but that's just uh, some information about my educational preparation. Now, by the way, I've always believed that a call to preach is a call to prepare. Uh, the late great Oliver Green used to say that all the time on his radio program. He said a call to preach is a call to prepare. And since I know that we have a number of young ministers um, which listen to this broadcast, I strongly encourage you to seek whatever level of education you can. Uh, because obviously the more education you receive, the more your ability is enhanced to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ and to teach other people the Word of God. Uh, to me, education is something you just cannot get enough of. Uh, here somebody else wants to know if I believe Southern Baptists <laughs> have a monopoly on heaven. No, I don't. <laughs> And guess what? I'm glad they don't. I think heaven would be a boring place if it consisted only of Southern Baptists. Amen? Amen. I'm glad there will be Christians there from several different denominations and several different non-denominational churches. I thank God for that. You know, um, if you are a Christian, you're going to heaven. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, heaven is your home. And it doesn't matter at that point uh, what church you belong to is, but, you know, it matters that you're saved, that you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. I tell you, that's what matters right there. <laughs> Amen. Uh, here's a, a seasonal question that's come in. Warren, what do you think about people that say Merry Xmas? I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like the term Merry Xmas. Because, you see, when somebody says Merry Xmas, now I realize in many cases they're just trying to save space on a typewriter or whatever. But the thing about it is, when you say Merry Xmas, it means you're putting an X in place of Jesus Christ. You're putting an X in place of Jesus Christ. And I'm totally opposed to that. It doesn't take a lot more effort to say Merry Christmas. Let's keep Christ in Christmas. Don't you think that's a good idea? Amen, I do. And I'm very happy about that. Well, basically my director is telling us that's about all the time we have for the program today. I've enjoyed making this program for you. And I hope that you will tune in for the next Sunshine USA podcast. Until then, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.